And we are back with another episode. Coming back off spring break, we have a lot to talk about. Specifically, March Madness is recap of the first and second rounds. We'll be going over the Sweet 16 as well. And then a big, big weekend in Husker Athletics with football recruiting and a little bit of baseball as well. We'll also get Blake Check in with that segment and enjoy the ride. Tommy Frazier, he is easily above Cam Newton. I, I highly doubt that. Nebraska finally beat the Iowa Hawkeyes. Key players to watch, I have Casey Thompson and Anthony Grant. All-time wins-wise, we are still probably the easily the best teams. How about that block punt there? That was highlight of the game for me. I mean, their safeties could not handle our receivers. That atmosphere can get pretty loud. Oh, boy. Where do you even get started? This is the last take. Okay, so we're going to be starting over with the March Madness because they're... There's a whole lot to talk about with this. First two rounds completed. Uh, Sweet 16 and Elite Eight will be coming up this upcoming weekend here. A lot of games to go over, but uh, we're going to go around the table here and just everyone's going to highlight one game that they either watch or that just stood out to them. Um, say, Mark, uh, we were talking about this earlier, and you had a game picked about it. Um, your final fo- One of your final four picks went down in the second round, and tell us about that. Yeah, so Marquette. What happened? Um, hate to use that term, but it's true. Yeah, man. What did happen? Yeah, we. How do you lose to Michigan State? I don't Tournament know. team, man. Tournament team. I say Tom Izzo. Tom Izzo, man. Legend. But this is the same Michigan State team that lost to Ohio State in the Big Ten. Tournament. I mean, it's the article I'm reading. Tom Izzo's hard-nosed defense disrupted Tyler Kolak and. That's pretty accurate because it says Marquette's offense coughed up 16 turnovers. Ouch. That is That's terrible. Not gonna so you watched the game, right, Mark? Yeah. So what, what were your thoughts like going in the first half and then the second half? Like, what were you thinking? So, well, gee, that was I wild. say, Mark, so Michigan State had the lead at 33 28. Did you think they could come back and win it all, or did you were a little worried? I, you know, down by five, if my math is accurate. Um, you know, I thought Marquette could come back, but they just didn't look like they were on their like they when didn't they were look playing. Like a two seed, right? Yeah. yeah. So I that was that was a shocking game to me. I didn't. I don't like Michigan State. I didn't want Michigan State to win, but that's I what th- happened. I say I'm just looking over the stat sheets here, Mark, for you, and you know the 16 turn- turnovers come into play. But I think for me, it's the def- like as you were saying that Tom Izzo defense uh, really held him up with their. You're talking nine steals and three blocks. I mean, that's impressive itself. And you guys shot well. Like, you shot 64, or that's this is kind of bad, but 64% from the free throw line, but 40% from three and 35.5% from the field. So your offense seemed fine, but I think that defense just kind of destructed. Uh, what's the word I'm trying to look for? What? Shut them down? Yeah, <clears throat> kind of. So disrupt. That's I mean, right. disrupt, yeah. Disrupt. I think Tyson Walker dropped 23 on you guys. Yep. But future is bright for Marquette, I believe. I well, they also play in one of the best conferences in the yeah. country, so nothing wrong with that. But with Rick Pitino now back in the conference, I don't think they're going to win the uh, the conference. I don't know. At conference resets after every year. You, I mean, looking into the year, I didn't think Marquette was going to be number one in the Big East. I was thinking either UConn I was thinking or Creighton. Or Creighton yeah. was on the on the list as well. Um, and now Creighton's coming Turns in Turns out those teams are now in the Sweet 16, though, and Marquette isn't. So Yeah, so who worked, knows? It's worked out still, but they've kind of played out like some other big teams that have lost. Marquette, mm-hmm. a.k.a. a regular season team. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Blake, uh, what are, what's your game that stood out to you the most? 
Oh, well, there there was a lot of games that were really fun and enjoyable. Um, just being able to sit and watch all of them. I really enjoyed doing the brackets this year. I, I don't realize how much fun it is until I do it. You know, even when my bracket's doing bad, I still love going on my bracket and crossing stuff off and being hopeful for the next round. But I actually had a bracket that was doing good, and I was surprised. I had I had I filled up three paper brackets and uh, three online ones, and I was going to do a fourth online one right before that first game um, of March Madness, but I couldn't finish it in time right before the the tip off was, and I was ah oh, I was upset because I really thought that bracket was going to be pretty good. But anyways, I think I'm going to pick the round of 32 game um, TCU Horn Frogs versus Gonzaga. This very, very close. This could have been an upset. I was tweeting about it on the last take account, Twitter account. Um, how fun that game was. Just because I love defense, and this is why I love college basketball. And even though the game ended up being pretty high scoring, there's quite a few uh, defensive stands where it got to points where Gonzaga was dry for a while, TCU was dry for a while. But let's get look back at the first half. So first half. TCU outscored Gonzaga 38-33, and this Gonzaga team did not look like their normal self. And, you know, throughout the entire basketball season, you know, I kind of forgot who was all on that team. I forgot Drew Timmy was even a thing. I remember him last year was huge last year. And they said, I'm like, oh, my God, Drew Timmy's on this team. He's still here. And you don't really, I don't really hear much about Gonzaga. They're just over there on the West doing their thing. Only five they, losses. They, so, weren't, they had a tough start to the year. Yeah. And they kind of like – Weird to say this, but they're kind of like under the radar a bit. Yeah, that's a, like a, I said, you didn't really hear much of them. time, and then they kind of came As, out of nowhere. Yeah, lost to Texas, lost to Purdue, and then lost to Baylor early in the year. Then they went back into conference play, beating Alabama as I mean, well. I mean, I mean the loss to uh, Loyola Marymount kind of like dropped them, mm-hmm. and then people forgot like how good they were. I'm not saying they didn't, but and then, and then, Charlie. And then, I, well, you go ahead. You go and ahead. then you turn around. I know you lose to St. Mary's, but then you turn around and go on a huge, huge streak to end the year. Uh, after that loss against St. Mary's, you they went out. And then they, pers- including beating St. Mary's two more times. Twice. So and Charlie, you were a big uh, fan in St. Mary's and this and kind of despising a little bit of Gonzaga were you well no I mean I just thought yeah St. Mary's the first meeting when they played St. Mary's beat them and but then at the end of the year Gonzaga definitely started to pick it up a little more they beat them by like 10 or something and then they just blew them out in the uh, West Coast championship game and just playing much better basketball St. Mary's I, I didn't think they looked bad they beat a VCU team that a lot of people thought that uh, VCU could pull the upset there Including and then myself. ran into a really good UConn team that I picked to go all the way to the national championship. We'll see how that goes. But yeah, I think St. Mary's just kind of probably didn't have the ending that they wanted to the season, but they still ended up winning a game in the tournament. So I think that program just it seems like they've, they, they've got good teams you know, they get good. While, so. They get good regular season teams, and they just can't somehow make a run in tournaments. He's like, but this Gonzaga team. I mean, I know your point is TCU, and I'm going to let you get back to this. But Drew Timmy, as you mentioned, you know, he's been a part of that national championship runner-up when they lost in 2021 to Baylor, and you and uh, played fantastic in this uh, Gonzaga t- uh, TCU game. He had a really good first round game. Mm-hmm. Say so, they're very then, good. I mean, I have them winning them all win it at all I just feel like I feel like I don't know just this Gonzaga team you know normally they're the, the they've been the number one overall seed a few times or at least a one seed and they have a so immense amount of pressure on them and then they they lose in like the sweet 16 I mean they made it to the championship against Baylor but 
I feel like this year they're only a three seed. Um, I just feel like this team could make it all the way. Like I said, a little less pressure. I, a I lot feel less like, pressure yeah. on them. I mean, that TCU game was a little, a scary, little scary for me, yeah. but. Yeah, so going back to it, um, my bracket, I, I thought earlier in the year, you know, I was thinking about teams, like, what are teams that show that they can perform? Because no matter what, when you're in the tournament, I feel like there are a lot of teams that can just flip a switch, and we've seen it so far, about quite a few games, uh, just teams that are tournament teams rather rather than regular season games, <clears throat> Purdue. Um, anyways, but TCU, early in the season, they were ranked pretty high, but they ended up finishing 9-9 nine and nine conference record, which is... In a tough conference. In a tough conference, which if you want to stand out, you know, you should be a little bit over 500. But going in this game, man, there was really a, f- a five-point lead was kind of just how it stayed with that. Either team got five-point leads um, early in the second half. Uh, TCU was doing what they did in the first half and just simply outscoring them when they had to, you know, a few defensive stops and stuff like that. And then... Gonzaga went on a run. Then Drew Timmy got points in the paint, and he started scoring. Then they got the calls to go their way. I'm not saying there's bad calls at all. I'm just saying that that they just had the— That's just how it works in times of basketball. They just had the calls go their way. And next thing you know, TCU was playing for behind really the first time all game. Like, actually, you got to make a run. you got to come back in this thing. And it got pretty wild there, pretty sloppy in the end. Um, But Gonzaga just held that five-point lead, and it couldn't get close. And then there was a few times where something happened, but then there was a turnover late in the game and you know for my bracket I had TCU going a little ways and this is my one bracket that I got the entire right side of the bracket um, correct that first round which I'm like wow I've never done this before got the entire side of a bracket right but I started looking at as the rounds get further I'm like oh I have UConn going far I have TCU going pretty far oh my god I have Xavier going far and I'm like oh all right, this, bra- this, bracket, not so this bracket looked good, but now I don't know if it's really going to produce. And this was one of the games I was begging TCU to win. And then late there, I'm like, oh, you got it close, you got it close. But Gonzaga, they're they're going to be a threat. This game, I think, proved that they can – they have all facets. You know, they can stop them. They can do really anything they want. And it was just a, an enjoyable game of basketball to watch um, because March Madness is fun. You know? Yeah, I think the one thing, just looking at least on the box score of the, te- the teams, probably the thing that uh, hurt TCU is their free throws. Yeah. I feel like, you Even know. Late in the game when they actually had sh- uh, chances at it, they just yeah. couldn't make a free throw to save their life. Yeah, I so say they, Gonzaga missed the most with, not, they missed nine free throws and TCU missed eight. But also Gonzaga had the more attempts. Gonzaga going 16 for 25 and TCU going 12 for 20. Those hurt. You know, I uh, when I played basketball in junior high and a little bit of high school, my mom would criticize, you got to make your free throws. Like, you mm-hmm. have to make your free throws. And pretty much it, it's just so ironic that uh, one time I got fouled in a late-game situation. It was a one-on-one. And I had, to, I had to make both of them, and I missed the first one, and we didn't win the game. So yep. and, That's tough. And this here, you know, losing by three, just three more of those free throws, and it would have been a completely different game. Yeah. There, there were times where them – if TCU made some free throws, that would have changed the momentum of the game or it just would have changed the landscape of the game, whereas they'd make one and miss one and nothing really would have come from it because Gonzaga would go down the court and they'd score, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, fantastic game, though. All right, moving on to Charlie. What did you think? I mean, lately you've been all hyped with Tennessee, but is that what we're going to be talking about? you got St. Mary's game. What, well, what do you got going on? Well, so I picked Duke to go all the way to the Final Four. I thought they were – I mean, a lot of people did. thought they were one of the hottest teams in the country. 
Um, this won the ACC, but Tennessee, I said, when they, they lost their starting point guard, Zakai Ziegler, just before the SEC tournament, but I was saying on the podcast, don't sleep on Tennessee. They're still a, a really good team. And I almost picked them to beat Duke when I was filling out my bracket. I didn't do it because I just like Duke a little bit more. But Tennessee, just in that game, they looked like they wanted it more. They looked like the better team that game and really just, you know, really crashing the boards, getting rebounds. I mean, it was, they looked like a really good team in that. And now I really like their path to go to the Final Four because they play Florida Atlantic uh, this tomorrow in the Sweet 16. And I think that they're going to win that game. I just, I don't know how good of a team Florida Atlantic really is. But, and then after that, you get either Kansas State or Michigan State, the three seed or the seven seed in the Elite Eight. So I really like their path to go to the Final Four. I think the SEC was a tough conference um, this They've year. They've been tested. So they, uh, I think they're ready maybe for that. And it's kind of interesting because I think a few of the Tennessee teams that we've seen in recent years are actually quite a bit better than this Tennessee team. They had uh, the year with Admiral Schofield, Grant Williams on that team. Yep, and then Jordan uh, Bone then, as well. Yep. When, they, they eventually, you know, they were a high team, and they were uh, they were a two seed they that were year, two and or three they lost to Purdue. Purdue of Carson Edwards, who like shot lights out in that Went one. Crazy, yeah. And then even a few years back, uh, when Loyola Chicago made their Final Four run, you know, team that, that team yeah. was pretty good, and then just ended up with a amazing doink doink buzzer beater, you know, that somehow sealed the deal. Yeah, well, and then last year too, even they were a three seed and lost to Michigan in the second round. So I don't know. I mean, I just don't know. I didn't think this team was as good as those teams, but they've still got a really good chance now with both Purdue and Marquette, the top two seeds in that region, going out. Uh, but that was a fun game to watch against Duke. I got to watch quite a bit of that. And now they got Florida Atlantic coming up. So that was a, that was probably my game that I enjoyed watching the most. And uh, I guess we we uh, we can move on to you now. Oh, you want me to go, go or Dylan? Or do you Dylan. Have... All right, I'll go. <clears throat> right, you got yours? Yeah, so I'm... The, fir- the first two games of this tournament really like sh- like set the path or whatever the word is but um, Precedent. yeah of how, for how this tournament was gonna go because you had Maryland and West Virginia going down on the wire I mean to the wire and then you turn around and have Furman and Virginia uh, 56 minutes of that game was all Virginia and then all of a sudden Furman, Furman come storming back and then uh Boneheaded play at the end of the game. One of the most skip I wouldn't say skilled point guards, but he's been there for a long time and Slossin. he's won a championship, just Jaylen. made the biggest mistake in his career and a key and then oh, a never mind. Crucial three. I say at the very end yeah. and that crucial three to eventually win the game. Yeah. Um my game, I'm gonna take Furman. Because I'm gonna take the Furman Virginia game. Um it's pretty tough actually to pick this game because the first day you had uh, Princeton and Arizona losing two. But I just feel like this Furman game against Virginia was honestly surprising. Because, like I said, 56 minutes of that game was all Virginia. They were up, I want to say, like over 10. I don't remember exactly. Their largest lead was 12, yeah. Yeah, 12-point so. lead. And then Furman, I mean, they hung in the game for, like, most of the game. And then all of a sudden, Virginia kind of, like, pulled away a bit. And, like, everyone was thinking, I'm sure everyone was thinking, like, well, Virginia's probably going to win this. And then they turn around and... Uh, Furman comes back and wins. Um, it was an incredible game. I actually, I actually listened to this on the radio, and um, and then I got to see like the replays of the play or the boneheaded mistake at the end. But it was a, it was a really fun game to watch, and it was a really or not a listen to, but it was a good ending. 
and it's always nice to see the underdog winning, so I, that's why I picked this one. All right, so yeah, I'm going to try and get this as fast as I can. I know we have a lot of things to cover, uh, cover as well. Uh, I'm going to go in the West region, same as Blake, but the defending champs go down in st- or lose in style to Arkansas, 72-71. This Kansas should not have lost this game whatsoever. Going into the break, they were up by... I think they're going up by uh, seven or eight. And Arkansas was getting pretty much into foul trouble. I mean, it, but somehow something in that second half just clicked for Arkansas. Uh, say they're, one of their best players, uh, Devontae Davis, he, he stepped up in the second half. I know he had uh, four points in the at first half, and then he just shot lights out in that second half, really carrying that Arkansas team. But then the fouls came into play. He fouled out later on. And then for Kansas, on the other hand, Kevin McCuller, he was having a good second half. And Jalen Wilson did not get a lot of touches in that second half for Kansas. And that just pretty much killed him at the very end there. Arkansas going back and forth. And free throws were a crucial part in this one. I think at the very end, when Jalen Wilson went up to the free throw line, uh, they were down by they were down by three. He made the first one. He needed to miss the second one. He just banked it in. And that's when he realized crap like I should not have done this but once again I think Blake going back to our free throw conversation earlier Arkansas only missed five free throws at the very end and Kansas went 72 percent and also Arkansas out rebounding them and just causing turnovers as well this was a really good game this was the one time my mom said not to make your free throws if you're Kansas that's how bad it was but overall it's just it's just kind of nice when the defending champs go down a little bit. I know we had conversations about how Kansas could be the uh, potential national, like repeat national champions. They were that good, but also saying, a team I like had... also a team like Arkansas for them to go down to, who finished ninth in their conference. I think I eliminated in the first round as well. And you have Kansas, who had the big Big Twelve runner-ups. As I say, I don't think Arkansas is that bad of a team, but like again, playing in the SEC, they're definitely not. They're not one of the top teams yeah. out of those ranked yeah. teams, but. I say, and they're they're a pretty young team. I mean, they're well. They have a few uh, future NBA players like Anthony Black and um, say Anthony Black. He's Council. Yep, I say those guys are pretty good. But then Ricky Council. I mean, he he stepped up really big. Makai Mitchell. Yep, Makai. Well, he say he, he stepped might. up at least in that game. Micah did. Uh, but Jordan Walsh clapped on mm-hmm. Jalen Wilson and completely locked him down. And then, um, yeah, it's just. It was just overall good game. Yeah. Say, Jordan Walsh, he's uh, no hair. He's completely bald. Yeah, <laughs> but, and blonde. Yep. So those those are at least the game that stuck out to us now. Um, I know we didn't talk about this, but you guys have any thoughts on the, you know, the one game that stands out to everybody, FDU, the shortest team in college basketball, beating one of the tallest teams beating in the Beating the Giants. Oh, well, I yeah. have my Did thoughts. That, that's a true thought of David and Goliath right there. They're, Literally. <laughs> There was a uh, that that one was a lot more fun for me to watch. Um, probably, yeah, that was the most fun game for me to watch this entire weekend. Um, I had the other, I would say, yeah, second biggest upset was Princeton over Arizona, and I did not enjoy that because Arizona was my national champion. It was finally was, not me this year. But and, they barely could beat an injured UCLA team. <laughs> well, yeah, I don't know. I think Arizona. I, I had my reasons for picking them. That was. Not what I expected. Fairly Dickinson, though, in Purdue, that was just such a fun game to watch. 
uh, I guess when you're looking at single games, probably the biggest upset in tournament history. I, I when think you look is. at that, that is the biggest because one. you can't. You know, you have a uh, UMBC, the other 16 seed. Yes, they did beat the number one overall seed, but Fairleigh Dickinson did not even win their, their conference. Comp- yeah. uh, Merrimack did, who was still going through the transfer process from Division Two, so they weren't um, eligible to play in the tournament. So I was going to say also FDU also had a net ranking of uh, 306. That's right. Yeah, and they were just and you know on top of that they also played in a play-in game which UMBC didn't have to do as well. So I mean it was just. And you look at also shortest team in the country, it's just crazy. Um, that game, that whole game, the defensive strategy that their head coach, Tobin Anderson, came up with was just really, really crazy. Just kept telling Purdue to shoot, and they just went, you know, I forget what their percentage was from three. 19.2% from yeah. three. So, I mean. Horrible. And then I know you're going to – actually, I'll let you touch it because I know you're going to say this. So. Well, I just want to talk about Zach Eady for a yeah. minute. <laughs> you know, he knew exactly what I was going to talk about. <laughs> This year, okay, I went to the first uh, Purdue-Nebraska game this year, and I saw Zach Eady out there, and I don't know why, but sometimes I get annoyed at just random big guys on the court, just that they're there for kind of like, they're there because they're tall. They're just there to take up space, so that way people don't go in the paint. Yeah, yeah, and then, so like, for example, other sports where you have just random tall people, volleyball, but those tall women, they actually do a fantastic job, and they're pretty athletic, but I feel like in basketball, half the time, you just find one random tall guy off the street, give him a scholarship, put him down in the center right there, or down up. See, the thing is, Zach Eady's actually, like, good at basketball. That's the difference. So here's the thing, though. Zach Eady... Is I think he's I think he's pretty weak, honestly. I, I think he got muscled around. Derek Walker even showed him he could be muscled around if you could take it to him. And guess what FDU did? They took it to him. They double teamed him, triple teamed him. I'm pretty sure they quadruple teamed him. The guys all, just, all around him. Yeah. But, but he was say, shut down. FDU's, he was shut down. And I think that if if you're a strong enough player, you can break through that. And especially if he was as good as he says he is. Although it is hard. It is hard for a big guy like that. You know, to have the fantastic coordination. I mean, that's just something that they're always going to struggle at. And also, too, like they just they call a bunch of fouls because mm-hmm. you just call a foul on a tall guy because yeah. they're obviously they're going to be surrounding him, so they just call a foul. But that was Even a problem. Probably with, wasn't a foul. with Edie this year. Is that chopping down? He would have a problem with chopping down. And you know, I'm looking at these stats right now, and and they're Purdue is a one one dimensional team. Now, I, I had no, I thought they were going to lose a like. Second. Eventually, I thought they're. I thought they're going to lose I, in the round of thirty-two. See, I had them in my bracket losing to Memphis in the, in the second yep, round. Yep, that's exactly what I, I had. I had that the, as well, actually. Memphis over Purdue. Mm-hmm. I had them losing to Duke. But that's another fair assumption. But then I did not expect them to lose their first game. But this serves them right because all year, you know, I've been talking to you guys about it. Out of all the teams, I thought Purdue were kind of frauds at being the. I've said it multiple yeah. times. <laughs> um, but I've been saying it was just that like. I just didn't see it. They're, you know, they were so one-dimensional with Zach Eady. Yeah, they get other players that would shoot around and, and finally do something. But what was the end result in this final game? A three-pointers percentage that was 19.2. I, it's, it's It comes down <laughs> to Purdue, if they want to win games, they have not only just give it to Zach Eady, but you also have to shoot good mm-hmm. because well, teams are going to figure out how to stop you. Yes. I mean, I don't care you have a seven foot four player. You're, you're eventually going to get stopped when, as soon as these teams figure out what they're going to do. Well, and that's where the... FDU coach, he did a really good job of he literally sent everyone in because we knew how good uh, Fletcher Lawyer and uh, their point guard can't think Fletcher Lawyer is the reason why we lost to them yeah. in the first place. In the game. first place because beginning of the year Fletcher Lawyer was actually a pretty good shooter. He, he, yes. would, he would make the big shots and their point guard 
can't think of his name, but he's number three. Of his, I know his last name is Smith. Uh, I'd say look him up for you, Dylan. But these two guys led Purdue to a fairly good run with Zach Eady because Zach Eady, be, you know, they dump it in here. Here comes a double team. They go out to the corner. Bang, Braden another Smith. basket. Braden. Braden Smith. There we go. But those guys pretty much led. I think those guys carried as much as Zach Eady did. Mm-hmm. And even Mason Gillis, too. He had a very good tournament well, in the conference and- tournament. He airballed a three. I'm pretty sure. Well, in that in that, in that <laughs> one, but that. but still, he he's a good defender. You know, overall, I mean, you just gotta shoot to win games. And at the beginning of the year, I'm trying to make my point. I'm tr- at the beginning of the year, those guys were good. They can hit the shots. Mm-hmm. But then towards the very end of the year, Andy Katz even said himself, yeah, that those guards have recently struggled with. But he still believed that Zach Eady could carry this team. Well, when you have four guys on you, even though they might be the shortest team in the tournament, you know, those four guys did a very good job of shutting down Zach Eady. I was going to say, it's because FDU's tallest player is 6'6", and he was in foul trouble. Yeah, because they would call the easy fouls on Eady to get to the free throw line. And he missed three free throws. He didn't hit them all. And I feel like to kind of close out, just like what I was saying earlier, is that Purdue was one of the teams I was, you know, mentioning that you know, they're your regular season team where they can just run through opponents and play solid ball. We're like, all you know, Big Ten teams are they, that way. Yeah, where they just, I mean, they didn't really make much mistakes to put themselves in, in a lot of danger. You know, like, there's until it got later in the season when they actually started losing quite a few games, you know, and it started being like, oh, what's going to happen to Purdue? But, you know, like I said, I, I knew that they were going to win the Big Ten tournament, but again, that I, they're just not going to be a March Madness tournament. So team. let me ask you this. Uh, we're got, um, so Zach Eady, he's more than likely going to be named National Player of the Year. He's not. Who do you think is then? I lost his name. Go ahead. <laughs> Just give me a second. Let's say, are you thinking of Kansas Jalen Williams or yeah, Wilson? Yeah, I think it's going to be him. You think it's going to be him, Mark? Who do you think you're national? I'm just not a big. I'm, I'm not high on Zach Eady or Drew Timmy. Okay. Timmy, okay. Timmy's not a bad shout, and I think Timmy should get a well, lot more recognition because I personally think it should be Antoine Davis from Detroit Mercies because that dude is a dog, but he plays for Detroit Mercy. So, say so, yeah, I mean, just the conversation of National Player of the Year. I I remember very. The, I forgot the finalists. I say you. It's let me look it up. I say um, but I remember but this conversation of National Player of the Year. I feel like it's almost like the NBA uh, MVP award, you know. Like NBA, the NBA, Nikola Jokic is looking for his third straight MVP, and Zach Eady is going to be, I think, more than likely he's going to win National Player of the Year just because of the media. Yeah, he had a lot of hype surrounding it, and, especially going into March Madness. Wow, yeah. it was all Zach Eady. And that's the thing, too, is, like, what does it mean now to be uh, National Player of the Year? Like, does it mean you just had, you're just really good as a big man? Because Luka Garza won it last year, I believe. Mm-hmm. Or two years, years, his years ago, year. his last year. Yeah, I mean, he was a big man, and he was. I remember he was not a good basketball player. He was just probably the best player on one of the best teams. Is that is that just because he was gaming? Because Purdue is one of the best teams of the country, and he's the best player. Or is he really that good of a player? I do have an opinion on it, and I think it's hard because you know the hype surrounding Zachary. It's a lot of it is like whatever you know. The media wants to pick up, you know, that's who they'll run with. And, you know, we saw it you know, kind of in football with, like, the Heisman, you know. It's, it's a quarterback award. Yeah, it's, it's a quarterback, quarterback award. Quarterback for the best team, which yep. all, final, Although, all finalists were potentially playoff teams. Which, hey, I mean. That was just the USC, year, USC, yeah, they, yeah. they folded, so I don't I, Anyways, that's a different conversation. Yeah. But, no, I feel like there's just, with, like, these awards, I just feel like there is 
certain rules, unwritten rules to him to where, like, I think Zachy, he, he could win it, but really, does he deserve to win it? I think if you're on one of the best teams, like Drew Timmy, I think that he deserves to win it because obviously his team is doing good, so he has to be doing something right. You know, especially when he's Gonzaga's, I think, all-time leading scorer. Um, it so, only I mean, took him five years. <laughs> no, 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 no. He's on, he's, on year, he's on year four. He has one year of extra ability left. He has five. He's been there for five years. He's not been there for five years. He's been there for four. I think he's, it, he's it, either way four or five. But matter. point is, it took him four years or yeah. five. But still, pretty impressive. And I feel like you know being on a good team that is worth something. But then you have the regular season, and Zachy D. You know you got to bring up some of the competition. I don't know. It, it's a mixed bag. My opinion is that I think if you're on a good team, that you should get as much recognition as someone just from like uh, you know. Yeah, I, say, that, I that, get that, that. You just like randomly pick out. All right, and he didn't even leave the he didn't even lead the country in rebounds. Zach Eady. Yeah. That's kind of sad, too. You're 7'5". Oscar Sheboy won it or got the most, which but, makes sense. And just kind of close out this segment, uh, what, as we get into the Sweet 16 here, what is, like, one team you're looking at that can make a door run? I know Charlie, he mentioned Tennessee. Uh, they have a very good path to the Final Four. Uh, is there anything – I know, um, Blake, you were mentioning, like, UCLA, Gonzaga. Um I know for me personally, it's Texas, but I like was, I was going to say Texas. As much as it pains me to say it, I'm starting to get worried about Texas. They've were strong in that game against Colgate, strong in the game against Penn State, and I just think that they look like your your March Madness team that can make a run at the thing. So okay, so I'd say I have them in my champion. They're my champion this year. I went to both A and M, Penn State, and Texas Colgate games. Texas shot, especially Serge Barry Rice. He went seven for seven on on three pointers until he finally missed. You know, Penn State for Andrew Funk, he he shot t- eight for ten. Like coming into the Penn State Texas game, it was pretty much both these teams are shooting red hot right now. But then once you get in the matchup, they shot ice cold. Texas only made one three and still somehow managed to win by five. So and then now you got Xavier, who, I mean, he they struggled in the first round against Kennesaw State. Probably shouldn't have won in the first place. And then you play Pitt, who they showed their real true Pitt's form. Not that game. really the greatest yeah. team in the world. So I mean, te- was, Texas just looks there. like I've been trying to say this uh, ever since we made our conference picks a few weeks back. Who would, but, who would they play in the Elite Eight? I'm just curious. either Houston or Miami is okay. who they would play. I'd like to see Houston Texas game. Yeah, yeah that, I'd like to see that too. That'd be I'd, really I was really to see good. a Texas A&M Texas game. That was what I was really excited for. But Texas A&M. They laid a goose egg. I really thought they'd be competitive in the tournament, but they did not look good at all. No, like whatsoever. But I mean, a team that sticks out to me is Texas, Alabama. They still have an easy path. I mean, easy. They're path. They're, they're either playing Creighton or Princeton. Okay, I think, I think they're. I think they got final Creighton four. Might in. give them a little troubles, but I, th- I think they will because you look at. I mean, look at that uh, o- Oklahoma won. game that uh, Alabama played, and that was terrible. So I mean, like, I I think that. Alabama, kind of like I think a lot of these first seeds right now are just not. They they have they have things that are not. I say the, my take on Houston. They struggled against Northern Kentucky, and they only won by nine. Mm-hmm. But then in the first half, they were down by ten against Auburn, and yeah. then they shut down Auburn in that second half. Uh, if knowing that their coach didn't make some adjustments or probably pepped his team up and says wake up, you know. Uh, they probably could have lost to Auburn and could not have been here in the first place. So I think Alabama, they're probably the true dominant team, but San Diego State, they are just as competitive as ever. That's going to be a really good matchup. And 
Uh, and I'll say my teams real quick. I say I'm you go say ahead. Creighton, they've looked good this tournament. Mm-hmm. I I believe. I don't know who to root for because I like Princeton. I'd like to see them somehow make the Elite Eight, but also at the same time, I mean, this is the only time of year that I kind of go for Creighton, same. and uh, so I kind of want to see them at least make it to Elite Eight for the first time since the '40s. And that mm-hmm. was when um, there was only eight teams in the tournament. Yep. So. Uh, It'd be pretty wild. A long time coming, I feel like, uh, especially like the, Dur- would, the Doug would, McDermott eras. Yeah, um, I'd love to see Alabama versus Creighton. That would I know be, Alabama's that would probably going to crush them, but like, I don't know, maybe man. In the second I just, half, but Alabama hasn't had a close game, and I think that they're due for at least one close I think, game. So. I think they'll have a sh- they'll struggle. They'll they'll have a tough time with San Diego State um, Friday, but I like to see Creighton. Otherwise, I'm just going to say Gonzaga. It's because they're my champion, but I feel like Gonzaga could or Gonzaga. I don't know. Potato, potato. Yeah. But uh, I really think they are a dangerous team and they could easily win the national championship this year. So, okay. Say, hold on. I'm going to make one more thing. Uh, Let's just also, so a a team to watch out for and then your like second chance Final Four if you had to pick it out. Okay. Oh, second chance Final Four. (laughs) Yeah. Mine's out. I've already got two teams out of there. Yeah. Team to watch out for, uh, I guess. Trying to think. I guess since we've only got 16 teams left, the team I would really say, just based off when I'm looking at these regions here, I would say my team would have to probably be Michigan State just because of the region they're in. Um, Kansas State and Tennessee, I mean, there's one and two seeds, like I said earlier, both out of that region. So I could see Michigan State making a Final Four run. It's Tom Izzo. Um, so that'd probably be my team to like watch out for, maybe that a lot of people wouldn't think could make the final four i'd say right now if i had to go with my second chance final four i would say alabama uh, who i did not originally pick to make the final four i think they've got a pretty good path Uh, i'm hoping princeton can keep winning i think it's just been really fun to watch i don't think they will Uh, maybe maybe they could beat creighton but not sure about after that you know just a 15 seed in the final four seems pretty ridiculous so uh, but I'll, they, I'll, they did outshoot a very good shooting Missouri team. So yeah, I mean and that very game good wasn't defensively close. as well. Wasn't even close that game. So, uh, but I'm gonna I'll go with Alabama out of that region. And then I said it earlier. I really like Tennessee's path. I'm gonna take them uh, out of their region. I think they'll play Kansas State in the Elite Eight, and I think that'll be a pretty good game. But I like Tennessee just a little bit more in that one. Even though Kansas State, both teams have played in really good conferences and have been tested this year. Uh, but I think Tennessee just to me is a slightly better team there and then going up uh, I still I had Houston originally out of their region so I'll stick with that I think they're gonna they're just gonna keep getting better as the tournament goes on kind of struggled a little or didn't play their best game against Northern Kentucky but uh, good great second half against Auburn won that one and now playing Miami and potentially Texas after that Texas or Xavier so but I'm gonna stick with my pick there with Houston and then the last region, I have UConn. I already said it. I think UConn is really good. Uh, I know Anthony was pretty high on UConn he, earlier. I've been pretty high all year. I didn't have in my Final Four in my bracket. I thought they would lose to Kansas, but, I mean, now they got a shot. So I think I think UConn is really good. They looked, they've looked pretty good. They almost beat Marquette in the Big East tournament. That was a close game. And now they're just— Still should have won about that, Mark. They still should have won, by the yeah. way. Yep. They're uh, so they're they're gonna play Arkansas, and then if they win that, either Gonzaga or UCLA. So those are not gonna be easy. I think 
I, I picked uh, when I originally filled out my bracket. I had UConn beating Gonzaga in the regional final to go to the final four. That's a fair pick. So I'm going to stick with that. So I've got uh, Alabama, Tennessee, Houston, and UConn in my final four. And did you want a national champion there too, or no? Okay. I'm going to go with uh, Alabama. I think it's going to be Alabama or Creighton. I just think that those are the two. They're just right now on that on the uh, south side. I don't know though. Alabama, I don't know. There's going to be tough, but I just think if they play the same way that they have been, Alabama is definitely going to win the South. Now, I'm in between your uh, two again, Tennessee and uh, Kansas State, although i got to stick true to one of my brackets. Although I really did underestimate Tennessee, I think Kansas State's going to get it because the the Big 12 has looked good enough to where I feel like at least one team will make it to the Final Four. And right now, who's the, who's really their last hope is either Texas or uh, uh, Kansas State, so I got to go with Kansas State there, and then I was going to say UConn, but I want to be different than you. I'm going to pick Gonzaga in the West region. They're on a roll right now. I think that they're going to be hard to stop. But actually, in, in that same bracket that I have K State making it to the Final Four, I also have UConn beating Gonzaga um, in that region, the West region. So, but I'm going to pick Gonzaga there in the West, and then moving up to the Midwest. I'm going to follow you again, Charlie. I'm going to pick Texas. They look so strong right now. Uh, I had Houston out of that oh, one. Oh, you had Houston? Yeah. Oh, you're... They could lose to Texas, though. I, I think I think uh, Texas um, will get it done. They just look so strong. So W2 Big 12 teams there in the Final Four, so that'd be pretty wild. So I'm going to start off in the South region. You know, I think it could be it's either Alabama or Creighton, but I'm going to go with Alabama. Um, they've just been – it's Alabama. They've just looked very strong. What do you mean it's Alabama? This is like their first. Ironically, I, I didn't, we didn't mention this, but Brandon Miller scored zero points in their first round game, and they still won by a whole bunch. So, so he was also dealing with the injury, but still. You know, we normally don't think of Alabama as a basketball school, but not this year. This year they have been out. They've been a basketball school lately. Yeah. Um, so recently, I would pick. Well, as a team to look out for, I'd pick UConn. They've just. They've looked strong, and I mean, I don't have anything else to say on that. But back to are, they, four. are they in your final four then? Yeah, they'll be in my final four. Um, along with, <sighs> hmm, this is difficult. Okay, um, Kansas State. I don't have Michigan. Kansas State, um, and then, um, which region do I start? Midwest. Like? Midwest. Houston. My original pick to win it all. So those are my teams. Okay. All right. So easily in the – I'm going to go – everyone's doing this. I'm assuming everyone has Alabama in the Final Four. But in the South, I, I got Bama. Bama, it's just – they're the better team. They have an easier path to the Final Four than most of these teams. I agree with that. Other than I think they'll they'll have some struggles between San Diego State and Creighton. I'm assuming Creighton beats Princeton. You never know, though. I mean, Princeton could keep it going. But I'm going to take Bama to win out of South. Um, I'm going to move down to the East. I think this is going to be a very interesting uh, region that uh, comes down to the wire. I think Tennessee should at least make the Elite Eight. And I'm actually having Michigan State. I think they're going to keep it rolling in BK State. Um, And and I think it's going to set up a really good matchup in Elite Eight between Tennessee and Michigan State. I'm going for the upset. Give me Michigan State in the Final Four. Uh, So they'll face off against Alabama. I'm going to move over to the West. I got Gonzaga. I think UConn and Gonzaga is going to be one of the best games the rest of the way. And 
Mm-hmm. I just feel like Gonzaga is going to win it. And also, they were my original championship pick, so I'm going to stick with it. And then uh, finally, in the Midwest, it's going to come down to Houston and Texas. It's going to be a very good game, but I have a tough... It's kind of tough to see. I don't really think Houston's kind of looked not the greatest um, in this tournament. I mean, like up to like a one seed standard, and I just feel like Texas is playing outstanding, and I just feel like this hurt pains me to say, but I have Texas in the Final Four. So, say so, yeah, I'm just looking back at all your guys's picks and the seedings they have. Mine's ironic, so. Um, I'm going to go by their seedings here, not by region. So, number one seed, I think Alabama. In my second chance bracket, I have Princeton in the Elite Eight. Once again, it's just filling out a bracket. But Bama. I'll, I'll take Princeton to beat Creighton as well. Just I, I want to make sure everyone hears that. Because right. I actually I think Princeton, they've looked good. Looked uh, Beat Arizona, beat Missouri, blew them out. Uh, so, I'll be the other one here. I know a lot of, a lot of people are taking Creighton in that. But I'll, I'll go with you. I, I think Princeton will win that. I think it's going to be a very good game. It's going to be pretty close, I feel like. Um, or it could not be close. I I'm, think Creighton is coming into true form right now. That Baylor game. Duh, that duh. hard, bro. Hey. <laughs> he went off. Right, and then uh, second seed, I'm still going my national champion pick of Texas. Once again, just the more well-rounded team. Uh, there's not one true person. Serge Abari Rice is their sixth man, and he's possibly even their best player. Um, Dylan DeSue went off against Penn State. He's the reason why they're even here in the first place. Uh, but I do have Miami over Houston. I think yeah, I went off against Houston. Uh, <laughs> I, I just think Houston's kind of been a little lucky, maybe. But I mean, that second half really put them over the radar, or at least it just showed that they're really capable of a number one seed rather than back on everyone's map. You know, there's a little bit of doubt. Yeah. And then the th- I'm going to go with three-seed Kansas State. I mean, I once again, I mean, nothing to disregard Tennessee. It's just I do not trust Tennessee in the tournament. They could win the national championship this year. Now, next year, I'm going to still say I don't trust them. But they are a good team. Kansas State, on the other hand, uh, playing that Big 12, I'm surprised that they're going to make it this far. Like, there's only two Big Big 12 teams left in this tournament. Despite it being the best, but I also I honestly thought there's gonna be more Big Twelve teams. But I also heard that like because the Big Twelve is just so good defensively and it requires so much energy to play that type of basketball that they just like get burned out at the end of the year, and then they and then once comes tournament time they're just done. Well, I've, I've heard that I had Kansas losing UConn originally, so I I, I did feel like Kansas was gonna eventually lose. Yeah. and I'm actually surprised how far Kansas State made it. I had Kentucky beating them, or no, I had K State making it this far, but. There's a couple times where I was thinking, oh, maybe Kentucky actually might beat them. But. Okay. And then uh, just to round things up real quick, I got UConn then as well. You know, I've been hype on them all year. I can't turn my back on them now as much. That game, that game against Arkansas is going to be a lot better than their Elite Eight matchup. I feel like Arkansas come off a huge win against Kansas, riding the momentum, you know. I mean, one player is going to step up. De- uh, Devontae Davis might have a good game. Anthony Black could have another one. It's just going to be so good. Uh, but, yeah, Alabama, Texas, Kansas State, and UConn are my final four. One, two, three, four. Exactly. So, all right. We kind of went, went went a little long over that, but, I mean, we love talking about March. Oh, it's uh, been so fun Best so month far. of sports. I love Other it. than September, I'd say. Yeah, pretty sure. That's actually pretty good. So, we're going to take a quick pause for a little bit, and then we're going to get into more big news with here in Nebraska.
to the last take. Uh, we have um, the typical segment, the news and recap, but it's called New in Nebraska. I actually like that. We should probably just keep that. Um, so we can start off first. Uh, spring football started. Uh, spring season has started for the Huskers. Uh, anybody have thoughts on that? I know, uh, Mark, you told me, but you told me when it was, but... I knew already, but you can go ahead, Blake. I love the hype videos they've put out already. You know, the the football team and kind of our, you know, Husker Vision, they do a fantastic job putting out those uh, hype videos for uh, the team and everything. Um, those have been fantastic the to social see. Social media team. So, social media team is, is awesome. They really feel that rule aid. And, it, you know, even the short videos we have, it was good seeing, uh, oh, shoot, who was it that jumped up and made I think it's Billy Kemp jumped up and made that fantastic catch in the video so that was fantastic to see um just other practice stuff you know it, it's kind of weird because i've never paid attention this close to like out of season stuff like last year i did a lot because i saw i thought that all we the had, coaching hires all the, the coaching hires the and biggest then, year of scott frost's tenure probably and, and then I, i'm like i still had it, hope it for was. scott frost yeah i still had hope for scott frost then and i'm like oh he brought in this great transfer class and so i was following it a lot but this year, you know, seeing Jeff Sims in the video, seeing Thomas Fedoni, the freak of nature he is. He's God, he's massive. Huge. He's massive now. Holy crap. Excited to see him playing, especially know that he is healthy now. Like, he can actually go out there and ball if he wants to. So, um, fun. The hype is getting there. I'm still a little hesitant to buy into it because, I mean, it's just the first few days, you know, of course. And it's a hype video. They're just going to – it's in the name. They're going to hype themselves up when – I mean, you're just advertising for the school. Yep. I mean, we kind of went viral. The one photo that became meme to uh, Matt Rule kind of looking to the side, like oh, yeah. question, questioning. It's because, and then they're making memes like he's, he's actually, he's actually not wearing pants. He's wearing shorts, which yep. is weird. Normally, he's wearing pants. Yep. <laughs> but, uh, I say that that one day we met him, he was wearing sweatpants. He was wearing the dad sweatpants, bro. But um. But yeah, and just overall, I'm just excited. It makes me like really excited for the season. We're so far away still. I know it's like I feel like it should be like right around the corner, but no, we still got a long. Just wait for ago. summer ball. I mean, oh well, it's almost there, and I mean, in two months we'll be out of here, and then by then we got three months, and football is gonna be coming here, so it's gonna come faster than you know it. And so. then I'm just, um, <laughs> I was about to say pause. <laughs> oh boy! Come on, man. You can cut that out. But, Come um, on, man. But yeah, just it's exciting. I'm really excited for this QB battle this year because Casey Thompson, he's a senior, and Jeff Sims. Jeff he, Sims, he's, he's a on, junior. He's and on he's, uh, the the Heisman watch list because yeah. he's like a. We've talked about this before, but he's kind of like a Casey Thompson, but has wheels. Yeah, so. a lot faster. He's, he's just a lot more mobile and can use his legs more than Casey can. So and Casey, Casey I, just has the better arm. Yeah, I feel I just, like. I just feel like it's probably going to be like a – they're both going to play. Dual. It's kind of like a – Like a dual, dual threat? We, like a dual system? Remember when they were doing like the both with tandem, Logan? Tandem system, that's what it's called. With like McCaffrey and uh, Martinez in the COVID year. But um, Yeah, I, I think one quarterback will end up taking the job. Like I, I don't think you can do tandem forever. I think that works in small I think, amounts. I but think uh, the Satterfield offense, it could probably work. But it's because it's a positionless uh, game, so you never know. Mm-hmm. Shoot one drive. We won't do like we did last year, but like, you never know. Bring Jeff Sims. He brings in that fire. He, who knows? And then now we have that Ole Miss uh, walk on. So I mean, we have depth at the quarterback position, which is kind we, of like unheard of. We for, have like, a for top Nebraska five, and, and recently they ranked us top five QB room in the Big Ten, which is pretty pretty impressive. Pretty impressive to say when you have Ohio State, Michigan, all of them in this, in our conference. And so. then, and I don't I don't want to steal your spotlight here, but I just I'm thinking off off the top of my head, but um. 
the quarterback, um, Harbaugh, whatever his name is, uh, Harburg. Uh, Heinrich. 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 That's his name. I, I'm From smelling. Carney. I'm smelling a position change for him. That's been. Uh, he's talk- a, he's such an athlete. Uh, he's, he's huge. Huge athlete, big guy, and I think that he has a future. Maybe like tight end room. We don't know yet. He's but just tall. I, I think that he. They're starting to guess that he'll move around a position. So that's something to keep an eye on, especially for um, um, the spring game. Yeah, but we'll see. I'm just excited to see because you'll see most of those quarterbacks play at least top four probably. Mm-hmm. Um, so, we've been waiting. If you guys uh, follow Husker sports or fo- Husker football in general, especially on Twitter, this weekend has been a day that's been starred on. It's been circled on the calendar. This is circle starred anything. Anything. I mean, circle star draw. Times. Put the alarm on. Yep. This is the biggest weekend of visits and recruiting in probably our program history. I would second that. Um, so we all know. You know that one guy. You know, it just happens to have the same last name as one of the coaches, maybe. And I also, think so. maybe he's the son of one of the best offensive linemen in Nebraska history. Um, I think that's right. I he think also that's played right. for that the Lions. Bell. That rings a bell. Does his name um, starts with like a, a Y? Dylan Raiola. No, there we go. Dylan Raiola. He is uh, visiting. We've been waiting for this day, waiting for this weekend for the past what since he's announced it. Since it's been announced. This is a huge weekend. He just come off. He just came off his Georgia visit. He's had a couple USC visits, and he was just here a couple a uh, couple weeks ago too. But at this a family is, trip, yeah, a boys' weekend apparently. But um, yeah, I, we have twenty six confirmed visitors for this week. Uh, this weekend, most of them in twenty twenty four. There's a couple twenty twenty five, and just in, I'll go back to this week already. We've had a few. We had two on Monday. Uh, we have one on Friday, and we had uh, one uh, yesterday. Stone Sanders from Pennsylvania, and I think on Monday we had Willis McGahee's uh, son. I think. Um, yeah, yeah, Willis so, McGahee the fourth. Yeah, he uh, visited here on Monday, and apparently he really liked it. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't hear too much about the other guy, but. Um, but hey, um, Kaden Massey. I mean, we'll see. He's a Kansas guy, three star. Most likely, will probably go to Kansas school, but. Um, and then yesterday we had Stone Sanders in town. That he's a probably a big recruit we're trying to go after for next year's class, not this coming class, but for the 2025 class. He's already won the Gatorade Player of the Year in um, Pennsylvania as a sophomore. So, but overall, I'm gonna go over my quote unquote top five biggest players that in this uh, visiting the group of visitors. Um, first of all, number one, we already know who this is. Dylan Riola out of Phoenix at Pinnacle. He transferred from Chandler, but he's the national number one prospect, number one QB at a 6'3", 225. Overall, we already know why this is important. He is the number one player. We've been going after him. We're heavily recruiting him. Uh, have you any thoughts, Blake? You can add on to that. Well, you know, it, of course, he gets covered like every day in Husker News, so it's kind of hard to like differentiate yourself like just different conversations and stuff like that but again this is just huge for him to i feel like this could be a chance for him to recruit other players here or maybe even take those players somewhere else because some of these players that he's been in conversation with are coming on this visit that he's been talking to and he will recruit them to wherever he goes because that's how it works with a lot of quarterbacks is they have those other players wide receivers running backs whatever and they'll text him and be like, hey, where are you going? Stuff like that. And you want to follow a quarterback you can trust. And 
he's already had those friends and quite, I think quite a few of them are coming on a visit here. And so this could be a chance for him to bring him in, especially if he is as high in Nebraska as we think he is, which I think it's a 50-50 shot right now. So yeah, that article I sent you guys today, I know some of you guys don't have the athletic, but um, I, got, his, I got to read the first two paragraphs of it. Okay, so <laughs> but the thing is for him, uh, his sister, who was a very good uh, volleyball player at TCU, said what the recruiting's coming down to is what he feels most like family. Mm-hmm. That and, makes sense. And we we, we know. That. But every school he has on his, like, quote-unquote top five, it's it's not his official top five, but like we already know who the biggest players in this recruitment are: yep. USC, Georgia, and Nebraska, maybe Oregon. Yep. But they all like I don't know about Oregon, but USC, Georgia, and Nebraska all are like family oriented. Matt Rule has said it; he wants this to be a family. A Georgia's uh, uh, a brotherhood. Yeah. Um, you have Georgia. Kirby Smart has preached that for mm-hmm. years. And USC, it's the same thing with Lincoln Riley. So. Yeah, but you would think, I mean, it's kind of different when, like, both, like, all three of these programs, you know, they're a really good job of family. Lincoln Riley, you know, very good with quarterbacks. We all know Kyler Murray, Baker Mayfield, uh, Jalen Hurts, and now Caleb Williams. You know, that's where he's probably looking at USC. He gets the family side, but I, then he gets the quarterback, like, coach himself. And then with us, on the other hand, it's literally his actual family that yep. went here. and it's a big difference. People, does, he wanna... does he go with his real family, which, you know, he's talked about his own family as, an, as a real contribute for his recruit. Mm-hmm. And, you know, his dad, I love with his dad, he's like, you know, I went here, your, your, your uncle's there right now, but you don't have to go there. This is your choice. I'm going to let you pick. And he's open about it. I know he likes Nebraska because he's been here, but when Dylan visited, he really liked how he treated his boy. And how much he's building those connections. I mean, it's it's tough where he wants to go, but I think we have a great shot of landing him here. Just one quick thing too, like when he come, if he comes here, he immediately is the face of the program for the future at least. Yep. Who knows what what will what will look like after this coming season? But immediately he's gonna have pressure. If he's okay with it, I think this I think is he, the place I to go. He, he I think he likes that. with the pressure. I. You, you, I've read articles about him and then also kind of what we, I've seen at least on TV. He, he loves pressure. I think that's one of the reasons why he moved from Chandler to Pinnacle is to face more pressure and to face tougher competition. Mm-hmm. So then that way he can face those pressures more if he comes here. Yeah, and um, but yeah. And then kind of like I said, you know, if he comes to Nebraska, you know, he's going to be recruiting other people to come here. So, I mean, that's kind of like how it rolls around. Um, but yeah, that's kind of like one of the major things this weekend is just – is is can Dylan Rella? I mean, I don't think this is necessarily. A, this visit's huge for Dylan Rella, but he's been here enough to where I don't. I, I don't think the feel like spring game. He's yeah. gone for the spring game. Has been confirmed. I think that's gonna be huge. Too, I think that's so. huge. So, but I don't think that this is like something crazy. I think like when he visited on a family trip, that's I think more special than necessarily just this being a regular visit. I think this is more about the other players seeing him, you know, here and kind of just building that brotherhood. I bet too. Also too just seeing if you're a recruit and you're looking at teams that you maybe want to visit when you see the number one player in the country visiting on a certain weekend you want to go that weekend yep so that's why i feel like there's so many players also could be just a coaching and recruiting thing yeah but but um i'm gonna move i'm gonna move into the next one ironically he's been numbered he's the number two player in the country on uh 24 7 number seven on uh on three 
Williams Nowernery. I don't. I butchered that. Sorry, but um, out of Lee Summit, Missouri. Number, like I said, number seven prospect on on three. Number one defense alignment on in this class. Uh, he's six six two fifty. Uh, he's kind of big. He's a bigger guy. Uh, I have it written down. Crystal ball from Oklahoma to Missouri. Missouri. I don't know. But that's just because you're from there. So I mean, I mean, it's pretty big when you have the number one and number two um, players in the country visiting on the same weekend. That's a big one. Um, if you have any thoughts, you can jump in, or we could just move on. Uh, just one quick thought. You know, just you know, after after each person goes to um, a school that they visit, their I think their crystal balls will change a little bit. But twenty four seven or not twenty four seven. Uh, on three is kind of like a, it's a weird thing. It's like a prediction. Thing. Yeah, it's not like crystal ball, like. But. But yeah. Anyways, he's a huge player for us. D line. Uh, like, we kind of need it. Yeah, we do. We need the like we've preached Trenches. multiple times. We just need the bodies. We need the players. So, uh, we can move on to the next one. Uh, my third one is Brandon Baker, five star offensive tackle, number one offensive tackle in the country out of Modern Day, California. He's visiting. Uh, he's six four and a half feet, or uh, and two hundred eighty five. He has most recently been uh, predicted to go to Oregon at the highest at eighty three percent. Again, USC. Again, it's he's visiting. It's it's big enough. We can knock it out of the park with him. Really help our offensive lines because offensive line. Hasn't been very good in the past few years. And, you so. know, uh, Donovan Raiola, I mean, this would be a huge get for him. Um, and also, too, you got to think about it, because a lot of people thought he was going to get fired yeah. after Matt Rule came. And he, we didn't think, we thought, like, Bill Bush was going to stay. Yeah. Because he made that defense look a lot better than where it was. And he's just a fantastic, Bill Bush was just a fantastic coach in general. He's so. just a fantastic person. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but um, I was really surprised to see you stay, but... Matt Rule must see something, yep. what he can turn this offensive line into. Um, but I'm really excited, or not really excited, but it's a big player. Modern day as a big school like that. Um, it's something to really, like, recognize. Um, but, yeah. And then the next one, this is this guy's a new five-star, Ryan Wingo uh, from St. Louis University High School. <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it's a, like an academy. But um, in um, – Missouri, but uh, he's a five-star, a new five-star wide receiver. Uh, according to On Three, he's the number twenty-nine recruit in the country, number seven wide receiver. He's six-two, two-fifteen. Um, just wide receiver. It's it's kind of big when he's you have a like one of the top wide receivers and the number one quarterback. Again, this also could work against us. I'm not trying to put that on the universe, but this could also really work. And he's been predicted uh tennessee is the highest percentage with 46 and then 39 for notre dame but he was one of our more recent uh uh, confirmed visits um any thoughts like all right okay so my final one he is not like the next one on the list um this one he is the number one player in the state carter nelson out of ainsworth nebraska tight end he is a eight-man football god he is very good. Obviously, when you get offers from Alabama, Alabama, that's a huge offer. Georgia, Texas A&M, Michigan, Ole Miss, Oklahoma, Nebraska, to name a few. Uh, he is 6'4", 215, like I said, and he's uh, the number 10 tight end in the country. Um, 
but yeah, he this is a must get. I think you have like you have anything. I mean, just you got to get that in state, <laughs> and I feel like this past uh, recruiting cycle, uh, Matt Rule set the precedent of uh, getting uh, in state talent, and we need this, it. This this would be huge, and same with I don't know if you're gonna Devon Hall, um, and uh, just in Iowa, just not too far away in Logan Magnolia, Grant Brick Bricks, um, he would also be uh, pretty big uh, to get. He's a uh, four star. Yeah, um, four star inside offensive lineman. Yeah, so I mean, just in state talent or people right across the river in Iowa. You know, those those kind of local guys. You know, there's a lot of other players I didn't mention, like Nathaniel Frazier, mm-hmm. another guy from Modern Day. Um, let's see, the uh, Jacob Smith, uh, Grant Bricks, like you said. You got two uh, Bellevue West players. Say, so, yeah, I know, Gerber, I know, we uh, mentioned Donovan Hall and Devon Hall. Yeah, Devon earlier. I know you've mentioned him before. Isaiah McMorris, he's kind of a athlete, fast guy. Mario Buford, does that last name seem familiar? Yeah, Marcus. Yeah. Uh, he came out said, recently on Twitter. He said uh, Nebraska was like one of the biggest recruit, uh, hardest teams recruiting him. Um, partly as since he's been a freshman in high, uh, high school because, you know, his brother goes here, so mm-hmm. which makes sense. Um, some other guys... There's a lot of really good players, and I'm hopefully we can get a lot of these guys. Caleb Benning again, another in-state guy from West West Side. He's pretty good, and uh, most of the Benning guys, you know, that would be a legacy. So it's kind of a must get. But overall, big weekend. Any final thoughts, Blake? Yeah, just big weekend. Um, I don't know, Anthony. I don't know if this is the right time or we can end on the podcast, but this is something that we'll find out more about this on Saturday, but you want to announce what is happening? Yeah. So I'd say just depending on when you're listening, we are uh, still, we are now kind of transitioning. We're still going to be like recording here, like what we do every week, but we're also now going to be live on 90.3 KRNU. Right. Or just the normal one, the normal one. Oh, really? 90.3. We're going to go on the, the big stage, the radio, uh, working here with uh, faculty member Rick Alloway. Uh, he's a really good guy. You know, just glad that we can be on the radio. We're going to be uh, live shows Saturday at 9 a.m., kind of your Saturday morning sports field. I, we're probably going to have to come with a, a name later on, but we'll still be. Breakfast boys, I don't know, just throwing that out there. Just say the last take still. Last take yeah. breakfast. Well, we'll still edition. be the last take, but, like, you just got to have a good quote-unquote reality show name yeah, or something yeah. like that. Yeah, I got you. So, uh, yeah, so we're just going to be transitioning. Do you have any other thoughts on recruiting? No, that's it. All right. into baseball real quick. I say, yeah, go ahead and get with baseball. So, yeah, just a big announcement. Thanks to you for catching up with Blake. Uh, just we're going to be live on the radio, 90.3 KRNU on Saturday mornings at 9 a.m. Okay. So baseball, uh, interesting, I guess. Two and one. Against Nichols, I mean, the last game sucks that we dropped that, but at the same time, it's okay. I'm more worried. Well, actually, we can go over spring break, too. We lost to um, Omaha. Well, uh, uh, that sucks. But they're not very good. They lost 20-1 to to UCLA, or they allowed 20 runs to UCLA. But, um, yeah, we it's kind of a game we can't lose. And then the most recent one yesterday, Creighton. You can't lose that, especially no. in the way we did too. It's fine. It's it's okay. We lost. It's it's okay to lose, but the way we lost is probably the worst way to lose. Two wild pitches, and it ended up being a walk off wild pitch to win the end the game. 
and also there's some not the greatest officiating as well so there's some bad calls but from what I've heard from Greg Sharp when I was listening to that because I I didn't want to watch it but Go ahead. Um, yeah, so I mean, to, to kind of recap the the Creighton game, because I mean, this is pretty a, a pretty big loss, and it just happened. Uh, you had Jackson Brockett starting, which he hasn't been able to get the starting opportunity. He's pitched actually pretty good whenever he did get the opportunity, um, but then he kind of it's just like a curse right now on a lot of the <laughs> a lot of the pitchers. We can't we just can't perform and and when we need to, they, they can't perform against in state teams. Yeah, <laughs> and what it seems uh, like. he just couldn't really pull anything together. He had it. In uh, I think it was the first or second inning, he we had the bases were loaded and it was a full count and he struck him out and that was huge. Got on top. Him out, yeah. And I'm like, all right, he's back into this. Let's get it in the next inning. And then three, three runs. <laughs> three but, runs. But, but immediately we though we got back into the game, took yep. the lead. We're up four three. Will Walsh was dealing. Fourteen straight batters were struck struck out, and he went all the way into the ninth after uh, taking over for uh, Brockett, but. And then he allowed the hit, and at, or he allowed the extra run. So it was five four. We put in um, who got the? It was the guy who got the loss. Go back up. Um, sorry, uh, who got the loss? They they considered Will. They Walsh. got Will Walsh the loss. Yeah, I don't think that was right. They named it somebody else. I can just look on my Instagram. But uh, this is also on Nebraska's website, so maybe they just posted and. When they first saw it, but. yeah, I see. I when I looked at the stats, I went on the stats when I create my uh, posts, and I think it gave it to uh, Brett Sears. Okay, um, he's the one that came in at the end there. Yeah, he's the one that pitched for that little half at the ninth inning. Yeah, and he and then he gave up the, wild, the two wild the pitches. wild pitches and yeah. yeah, and there's some not the greatest calls in the world too. They missed a strike. That was apparently was it was a strike, um, and then the wild pitched, and then they both runners removed ninety feet, and then the second wild pitch that ended the game. But overall, I mean, it's still still a good start to the year, I guess, eleven and six. But we have a big weekend. We start conference play, our first uh, series in the conference. We take on Illinois at home. Um, and then we got a couple more non-conference, and then we full, we go fully into conference play. But hopefully we can get at least three. I'm hoping for three wins. After, actually, that's all of them. I'm hoping we sweep them. But it would be nice to get that to get us going before the next uh, stretch of um, I'd say, cause now non-conference. We're, say now we're getting kind of into conference play here. We got Illinois this weekend here. Yeah. Uh, you guys going at all by any chance? I might be. Might Yep. Okay. We might go like either Friday or Saturday. Say so we might have Depending. to go together go, then. Go Friday or Saturday if you guys are interested. Yeah. Just let me know. Yeah. They're so free. Then, so. Yeah, we got Illinois coming up and. We sit in the burn. It, we could. We, we that's general admission. We don't get yeah. seats. So. But. Well, unless then, there's just no one there and you just walk over there and sit. Actually, security is really up. Oh. What's that stuff? I, I'm, oh. I know my way around security, so. Actually, don't. Just, br- get, don't just get a media. Just, there we go. Get a, get a media credential for the last. Take. I probably shouldn't say that on the on the podcast. But Blake is going to get a I've, media I've credential. Got security a time or two. Just so. go ask John Schrader. <laughs> but yeah. <That> is... <laughs> All right. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> don't. But, but yeah, we're getting, we're getting ready into conference yes. play here. So and then yeah. we got North Dakota State, Texas A and M, Abilene Christian, Kansas State, and then pretty much. They so were in Abilene next week. Conference next play after that. So straight conference, but it's going to be fun. Uh, baseball. 
at least for me, I don't pay attention as much as like uh, Dylan Blake does. Or I, I know Mark pays attention too to baseball as I'm well. To be honest, I really did not pay attention until the, really this year. Yeah, this, my account really got me into it. So. Yeah, I'm trying to pay attention because I'm probably going to commentate uh, a few games. So that'll be fun. Yeah, that'd be nice. That'd be cool. I'd watch. So, I mean, yeah, we're we're gonna have to get into baseball, but. Uh, do you want to do your Blake check, or do you just want to wait till Saturday? Uh, we can just run through a quick thing with fantasy. Um, uh, actually, yeah. Uh, well, we, didn't we want you wanted to talk about the two races? I'll talk about Atlanta real quick. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, can, you can talk about last week's. Yep, last week. Um, I watched the. Yep. Blake check. <laughs> <The schedule>. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I was so, not ready for that. Re- recap Atlanta really fast. Joey Logano dominated the early stage. Uh, racing was kind of uh, interesting. I went to the July race last year, and or maybe yeah, it was July, which had fantastic racing. I kind of, I I'm not your typical NASCAR fan or racing fan in general. I like the more obscure style racing, and this is you have Daytona and Talladega style pack racing, but at a smaller track, a mile and a half, same size as Kansas, um, which is just your cookie cutter. You know, not huge, but in the medium size. Um, yep. And uh, left turns. Yep. A lot, a lot of those. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, I don't mean to interrupt you. They're going to be making right turns this yes, weekend, which I'll update y'all on Saturday. Um, but no, it was kind of interesting because this entire weekend there's a lot of caution for kind of dumb reasons in the truck in, a, in Xfinity race. The Xfinity race was so brutal to watch. A driver, I seen, even, I, seen I seen you ranting on on Twitter. Yeah, it was it was not fun. A driver even parked it when NASCAR told him to park it on the start finish line and walked out in the track and said, "What are they going to do? Find me? Can't afford to pay it." That's what he said, and he ended up getting a one race suspension. But it was all good deal because nascar wasn't too crazy about it so that ended up being a good thing shout out josh williams um but anyways to the cup race long green flag runs uh, besides the early bubble wash caution um because just their handling was uh was was something that i just didn't think was gonna be there but the track surface has actually aged last year you still had the black fresh uh pavement that they put down but this year Hell, you could already see where they've put in uh, patch jobs in. I'm like, what the hell? This is just year year two on the or year yeah year two on the on the pavement. So, anyways, uh, but Joey Logano dominated the first stage. Fords qualified. I think Fords were like eight out of the top ten. I'm pretty sure they were up there the entire race. Stage two got jumbled up. You had pit strategy there in the end, which <laughs> I don't want to say this, but I'm, I'm going to say it. I was uh, I, I fell asleep right before the pit stops just because, I mean, there's just a long green flag run, and I was kind of tired laying down. I probably should sit up when I'm watching a race, but I was laying down on my couch, and I woke back up, and they're racing towards the end of the stage. I'm like, oh, this is getting interesting. And then Austin Cindric passed three wide on the outside. Um, That's when I turned it on. Ty- the Tyler Reddick went, went low, and the interesting part is that you had Ryan Blaney and a whole bunch of other lap cars, or they weren't, they're going to be lap cars, end up not losing their laps, but they're right in front of the leaders there and kind of held them up. And uh, Austin Jagger won stage two, but Penske, here's the kind of crazy part here. You know, normally at Talladega Daytona, you can find your teammates, but all race long, the Penske cars could get together. And especially at a track like this where it, I, I, I feel like it's kind of stagnant. You know, you got your two lanes right there. It's really hard to go three wide, but the cars seem really stable late in the race, which is kind of surprising. Then there in the end, you had Brad Gazowski, who is throwing blocks to the top of the bottom, but they weren't dumb blocks. So his spotter, TJ Majors, used to spot for Dale Jr., and Dale Jr. was great at Talladega and Daytona. So um, TJ Majors is one of the best at it. But anyways, he was telling uh, Brad where the runs were coming from, and it was fantastic to hear that. 
and I was waiting for the moment for the big wreck, and you know, big wreck happened uh, before Rakazowski took the lead, and that was Ross Chastain struck again. He didn't end up touching. There, they showed a video replay. He didn't end up touching um, Harvick, but he did disturb the air there. Um, but anyways, Rakazowski took the lead, was leading there, and I really thought he had it in the bag because he was controlling both the lanes. And, and then old Logano came out of nowhere. He mm-hmm. so yeah, that's the kind of crazy part is Logano got shuffled back. He was back quite a few rows, standing on the inside line because he. Because for a while there was kind of the middle line was just the way to go, and then people would shuffle down and move forward. But Logano fell back, and next thing I know, I'm like, oh my God, here's Logano again. He's in the top five. LaJoy's behind him. LaJoy pushed him in, in the final lap. He goes high. Um, Brad can't block it because Brad's not going to throw an idiot block and wreck the entire field there. He wants to race He's not going to pull a Ricky Stenhouse. <laughs> or, or, uh, or last year, uh, Chase or, Elliott, who blocked uh, Corey LaJoy, and there was a wreck there at the end. Um, yeah. But no, it was. Fantastic racing for the last 44 laps. Um, definitely shows why the Atlanta race can be really good. Um, but yeah, so Joe Logano ended up taking the win. And actually, a cool note here is that is the first time he's won at Team Penske in a, in a, a not a Shell sponsor, sponsored car. So he was sponsored by Auto Trader um, and ended up winning it. So pretty interesting. Um, good racing there in the end. And I noticed this too. Alex Bowman kept on going up and down, up and down. He was in the top four multiple times, and then he just kept on so, dropping so far. So he was in the inside lane, but you know what happened there late in the race? He actually uh, um, talked to Ross Chastain. So Ross Chastain uh, hung him out to drive, made a three-wide move, kind of in that like fifth, sixth, eighth position right there in the inside lane and hung him out to dry. And he ended up talking uh, to Ross after the race, just like, why would you leave me, dude? Because if he didn't leave him, they would have been right up there playing for a thing, but you know what happened to Ross? He got split three wide, and Ross got shuffled back and didn't even finish good. So, mm-hmm. yeah, Ross. It was really sad to see though Harvick crashing. <sighs> I know. I'm like, yeah, he's up front doing me. good, and then he got he got loose. The air was disturbed right there. Of course, Ross had to be around the incident. You know, I still think that was partially on him because a similar wreck happened when I was there when he was pushing Martin Trix Jr. and got on the left side, and Martin got loose and wrecked in front of the field, but. I don't know. Fantastic racing. I like Atlanta. I'm I'm kind of a weirdo when it comes to motorsports. Just like that obscure style of racing, kind of like I don't know. Our listeners don't necessarily know remember this racing series, but I Rock. They used to have a um, um, a drafting package that they'd run at the mile and a half that created pack racing a mile and a half. And I've always been someone that has been interested to see that happen. And now we finally have a good uh, version of it. So yeah, but Coda. That's we're gonna be. We'll talk about that more on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Um, because then uh, I think practice will have happened on Friday for the truck and uh, cup series. So then qualifying will be later on that day. Yep. So and I'll uh, go over my fantasy then. So alrighty. Well, this kind of took at least a little longer, but once again, talking about basketball for the longest part, and then uh, of course we have to talk about Nebraska because we love it here. So oh yeah, GBR baby. Here we go. Go big red. All right. So. Make sure you follow our socials at the last take pod on Instagram and then at the last take twenty two on Twitter. TLT is capitalized. Just Watch to out make for sure the hot well. takes and stuff from Blake. Say <laughs> hey, Blake. You know Blake has been firing it up for for us, which is good. Uh, and then recent news. I think this is kind of like it's not big news, but we have a new graphic designer. Um, a little brother, Charlie Gumont, not Shout Charlie out. Wayne. Shout out. Uh, he's going to be taking over our graphics on Instagram. I think we just get too busy with schoolwork than this. I just need, And he does that at school. He has a lot more free time. So I'm just like, here you go. So, all right. Well, this concludes the last t- this episode of the Last Take. So signing off, it's Charlie, Blake, Mark, Dylan, and Anthony. Have a good rest of your day, and we'll catch you on to the next one. Go big. MF Red. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>